and welcome to Kitty Talks, the podcast that shows you how to build a life in alignment with your soul. I'm your host, Kitty Waters, serial entrepreneur and co-creator of the Network for Transformational Leaders. Each week, I interview top thought leaders that are changing the world. They share their life stories on tips on how you can find your purpose. We all have a gift we can bring to the world. Do you feel dead to life? Like there's more to it, but you don't know where to start. Perhaps you don't fit in and you can't understand why. Are you pushing all the time and getting nowhere? Do you long to finally be sure which is the right path for you? This podcast is sponsored by my Do Your Dharma course. This eight-week online course, self-study, shows you how to find your purpose. The course demystifies the subject of Dharma and shows you that by following your highest excitement, you can unlock your greatest potential and create the life of your dreams. Go to www.kittytalks.com forward slash do your Dharma. Without further ado, let's dive into the next episode. Welcome to Kitty Talks. This week's guest is George Lizos. He's a spiritual teacher and intuitive, and he's the author of Be the Guru, a step-by-step guide to becoming your own spiritual teacher. He's quite incredible. He works with mystics, light workers, and he helps them hone their purpose into a real business and a practical way to make positive change in the world. I enjoyed this interview. You'll see when you listen, George is somebody who has really gone after their passion. You know, it wasn't particularly obvious for him to begin with just because of how life showed up for him and all his conditioning. But his love of spirituality and this is the thing that he truly adores has now become his life purpose. And our passions are not random. So if you're listening to this, Work out what it is that you are passionate about. What is it that you read and read and read about? That is a breadcrumb. You need to follow that breadcrumb. But without further ado, let's dive in. So hello and welcome to Kitty Talks. We share inspirational life stories that empower you to create yours. And I'm already really excited about the conversation that we are going to have. George came into my life so beautifully, kind of through mutual friends. And when I kind of felt his energy, I was just like, oh my goodness, this man is just so pure and wonderful and gorgeous. And I bet he's got a really interesting transformational story and journey. Now, George Lizos is a spiritual teacher and intuitive, and he's the author of Be the Guru. Love it. Be the Guru guru a step-by-step guide to becoming your own spiritual teacher so george i want to welcome you to kitty talks kitty thank you so thank you so much for having me it's such a pleasure to be here with you today oh well thank you i'm really excited about the conversation we are going to have so do you mind just sharing with my audience maybe for people who don't know you a little bit about who you are and what you do in the world currently Mm-hmm. So my name is George Lizos. I'm a spiritual teacher and intuitive, and I focus on helping empaths and light workers 
to find, follow, and fulfill their life purpose. And I do that with a variety of spiritual tools, ranging from past life regression to working with the elementals and the angelic realms in general. Wow, cool. And we're going to dive into those later on. You said you work with the elementals. Mm -hmm. What's that? So the elementals, they are the guardians of the five elements, water, fire, earth, air, and spirit. So in the same way that humans, we have a soul, we have an entity, we have spirit, so does every single aspect of nature. So let's say, for example, when you work with the water elementals, you have the mermaids, the undines, the water nymphs. And there are different nymphs in lakes, in rivers, in the sea. And we go into the earth, we have the gnomes. We have the tree dryads, the spirits of the trees. Then we move into air, we have the sylves and the harpies. And we move into the uh, spirit elementals where we, uh, we encounter the unicorns, the pegasians, and the muses that the ancient Greeks talk about. Then we have fire, the fire dragons and the salamanders, different dragons of the morning sun, of the midday sun, of the, uh, of the evening sun, of the earth core dragons. So we have all this variety of spirits coming from the natural world to support us into fulfilling our life purpose. And many people ask me, Kitty, why work with uh, the elementals and not just go to spirit or to angels or to just source and the universe in general? Why go into so much detail? And my answer is because we are not just love and light. We are love and light expressed in physical form. We have this physicality, so it's easier for us to understand and communicate with spirit when we have some physical aspect to relate to, to connect to more deeply. So the elementals, because they're also part physical, part spiritual, we can relate to them more. And at the same time, they understand us more. So they're able to lower their vibration to our vibrational frequency, take us from all that depressive nature we may be in our lives and just take us up to source. Because although they do have physicality and they do have an ego, they're more naturally aligned to source, more so than we are in the sense that because they have a general focus to their attention because they're part of nature, they can't specify their attention on something negative to create negativity for too long like we can with our thoughts and with our desires and with our beliefs. So by exposing ourselves to the elementals, to nature, it's an easier path to find source, easier than, let's say, working with angels or source or spirit where the vibration is higher than us. Does that make sense? It does make total sense. So am I correct in thinking that you uh, could call on them and you kind of engage them and, and you ask them for their help and the guidance So you were saying around life purpose? So is it such that you can ask for their support and advice and ask them to show you signs towards your life purpose? Is that how you would engage with them? Absolutely. So what's Ooh. amazing about the elementals is that you can connect with them by going out in nature and having a physical interaction with them. Let's say, for example, you want to have an interaction with a mermaid. Many people ask me, how do you communicate with mermaids? Well, you just go out to the sea. You sit there and you meditate or you just expose yourself to the energy of the water. 
Don't you always feel calmer and more at ease and more inspired to reminisce on old lovers and romantic relationships and emotions while you are in the sea? All those emotions you feel, they're co-creations between your energy and the energy of the sea. Therefore, all those thoughts and emotions and guidance that comes into your head during that moment, that mindful moment of being there, is the message from the mermaids. The mermaid, the half-human, half-fish portrayal we've given them, it's just a symbolic way for humans to understand and relate to spirit. Now, you mentioned the life purpose, which is something that I know you work out and you work on a lot mm. with Dharma. So the different elements, they have different dominions. Water elementals are all about relationships. The earth are about finances and property and the practicality of life. The sylphs, the air sylphs, are about our mental aptitude, our thinking, our intellectualism, and our stress, handling the stress and negative thoughts. Then we have the fire, which is about our drive and motivation, but spirit and the unicorns and the muses and the pigasians are about finding and following our life purpose. So don't you wonder why unicorns are so popular lately? The reason yes, they're they so really popular... Are, now, everywhere. Yeah, there is a spiritual way behind that because the unicorns entered our human consciousness due to a mistranslation of the Old Testament of the Bible. So the Old Testament was written in Hebrew and it was when it was translated in Greek, the Greek translators couldn't understand what the animal realm was in Hebrew, in the Bible. So the Hebrew aspect of the Old Testament talked about a ram animal. They couldn't understand what that was. So the closest description and the portrayal they could find was that of a mythical creature called a unicorn. So the unicorn ended up in the Old Testament. So from that Greek version of the Old Testament, all the other versions, the other languages were created. So the unicorn ended up being in the Bible. So that's when a wild mad quest started in finding and capturing the unicorn for, for, for hundreds of years. Countries and explorers went out there into the world, into Africa, trying to find out where was that unicorn, that uncatchable, that animal that's strong, powerful, and masculine, but at the same time, subtle and gentle and feminine. And when the world was eventually discovered and they couldn't find the unicorn and they announced the unicorn doesn't exist, it's a myth. Well, you'd expect the myth to just disappear. But something very interesting happened. It intensified people's belief in unicorns, intensified even more after it was scientifically proven that unicorns don't exist, which brings us to a very... Um, psychological way of looking at the thing. Why do we have, why have we always had this urge to capture something that's strong, powerful, that can heal anything with, with its uni unicorn horn touch, but at the same time, it's subtle and gentle. What we've been trying to capture was never lost in the first place because it had always been within us. It has always been in our soul, in a unicorn soul, in that aspect of us that perfectly balanced between our masculine and our feminine side. And therefore, when we get in touch with, we can fully own and understand 
what our life purpose is because mm. our soul is synonymous to our life purpose. If we accept mm. that God is ever knowing and that God knows our purpose and that we are part of God and that our soul is our connection to source and therefore our connection to our life purpose, therefore connecting to our soul and embracing the authenticity of our soul, which is perfectly balanced between muscle energy, taking action, moving forward, creating, and feminine energy, trusting our intuition, going within, allowing ourselves to rest, and finding the striking the perfect balance between action and intuition, and therefore creating divine guidance and following our divine inspired guidance, that's when our life purpose becomes available to us. That's when we realize that we've always known and followed our life purpose. We just mm. didn't allow ourselves to see that because of all the limiting beliefs that society has imprinted mm. on us. So to conclude, the unicorn mm. has been captured years mm. ago. It's always been here. It's just a matter of us to partnering up with it and just saying, hi, I've abandoned you for so long. I'm here for you now. Mm. Beautiful. So where would you connect with it? Like you were talking about elementals, you would talk to the mermaids if you were by the sea. Where would you, would you be in the forest for a unicorn to call in the unicorn energy? So we can connect to the elementals both by going out in nature as well as with our intention because we have to remember that although we are separate human beings and separate physical elementals as well, we are all in essence connected to this web of consciousness that is one. It's a one yeah, kind yeah. of energy. Yeah, one. So we can go out in nature and just touch the tree and just call upon the energy of the tree, try it to come forth. Or we can go to the beach to meditate, or we can go in a forest and communicate with the gnomes and the elves and all the, the earth elementals, all the unicorns as well. Or we can just be at home and with our intention, we can call upon the mermaids. Now, the way I like to call upon the unicorns and therefore our unicorn spirit guide. Every single person has a unicorn spirit guide, which is an extension, a spiritual extension of our soul is to, and that exercise can help us get a clear understanding of our life purpose is to simply take our dominant hand, place it upon our heart, which is the physical aspect of our soul. And then closing our eyes, just taking a few mindful breaths, and just placing our attention into our hearts. And then we can either visualize a unicorn within our heart or extending out of our heart and standing in front of us with our mind's eye. But when you do that, simply the act of connecting with your heart and giving your soul permission to be free can give us clues about what a life purpose is. How? By bringing up memories and experiences and the aspects about our lives that bring us joy and bring us bliss. The mm. quote, follow your bliss, isn't famous just for fun. It holds <laughs> a very strong essence of how we go about finding our life purpose, which is following what makes us happy. I've always believed, Kitty, that mm. we're already following our life purpose. We're just in denial of it, as I just said earlier. And I have an interesting story about that. My entire life... We're not, connect we're not connected to it. So... Yeah, exactly. About your life, 
we're always being prepared for our life purpose is whether we're aware of it or not that's exactly yeah and not just that we're already following it exactly so george before you go on i need to need to go back so what we're doing kitty talks is we love to set the scene so you've got amazing i can already feel it like a massive wealth of information and knowledge obviously around the elementals which i've never come across so thank you that's amazing but I want to know this about your story. So we're all about stories. Like, tell me how you went from George growing up in Cyprus to what you're doing now, spiritual teacher. Because I know, I think people can get so much value yes. from the transformational journey. And that will tie in perfectly with the story about unicorns as well, because they're interlinked. So let's go back to the beginning. When I was five years old, And I found myself standing amidst a field of yellow daisies, just staring up at the sky and wondering, who am I? Why am I here? What is the purpose of life? Yes, I was one of those weird kids who rather than going out, (laughs) I was five years old. Five, wow. Rather than going out and playing with other kids my age, I would just ask life's big questions and communicate with the flowers and be and, and build uh, tree houses and just be out in nature. So I was always weird. I always stood out from the crowd. <laughs> As a result, I drew attention. And in a small community like Cyprus, where you are expected to be a certain way and fit within certain stereotypical structures mm. and boxes, I didn't fit in. So I was bullied a lot, a lot growing up as a kid. Now, Fast forward to the age of 13 years old, and that's when I realized that I was gay. Now, at the time, homosexuality was considered to be, homosexuals were considered to be criminals. They were considered to be pedophiles. You couldn't talk about it. Up to 1990, it was illegal to be, actually, no, up to 1998, it was illegal to be gay in Cyprus. So I was growing up, that's when I was like, I was 80 years old at the time. So even after it was legalized, it was still a taboo. So given what the other ways I was weird, there was no way I could allow myself to accept that other label. So I decided to do what I had mastered by that time in my life, which was to change myself from gay to straight, one step To try and fit in. To try and fit in, to try and be accepted. So many so, do that. Yeah. So I literally put myself through a boot camp of trying to monitor the way I walked, the way I talked, the way I acted. I even forced myself to not look at guys wow. altogether. So it was a very intense two years of denying who I was. I ended up being this robotic kind of person who didn't talk mm-hmm. and walked in a very robotic way just so I wouldn't wiggle, for example. And two years, I know, (laughs) it was, yeah, it was weird, not thinking about it right now, but I was very depressed at the moment. So two years when I obviously couldn't change myself, I declared myself a human abomination and decided that my only way out was to take my own life. Mm, And I remember that moment very clearly, it was... It was a nighttime. I was in my room. I was crying. It was my daily crying routine. And I had written a letter to my parents and I had a a pack of pills in my hand and I was ready to just end it. And right when I took the first two pills, that's when I had the shift. 
that's when I had an epiphany and I realized I could see an answer that was already and always there for me, but I just couldn't see before because I was resisting it so much. I could finally see the answer, which was just F what society says, just F what religion says, Mm -hmm. and just learn to love and accept yourself exactly as you are. And Kitty, I had no idea how to love myself. Mm-hmm. Self-love was not a concept, but I was willing. I was willing to learn to love myself. Now, at the time, I was reading the Harry Potter books, and I was fascinated by how J.K. Rowling merged magic and spirituality and love. And I'm like, I wonder whether I could find something similar to Harry Potter in real life. And that's when I discovered spirituality. That's when I started with Feng Shui. Then I discovered Louise Hay's work about you can heal your life and meditation and mindfulness and all these magical uh, modalities we talk about in the spiritual community. And step by step, I learned to forgive my bullies. I learned to forgive my biggest bully, which was myself. I learned to forgive myself and learn to love me. And fast forward again to the age of 19 years old, when I felt empowered and I decided to express the path that I took to bring myself to the point where I didn't need anybody to accept me or support me or give me happiness because I learned to give that to myself. And I transcribed all that in my book, Be the Guru, a step-by-step guide to becoming your own spiritual teacher, which by own spiritual teacher, I also mean your own source of happiness, of support, of wisdom. So I made it my life. Yeah. I just say it's interesting because we we're not taught to love ourselves. You know, we're not taught to understand ourselves. We're not taught to uncover ourselves. And actually, that's where the magic is. You know, when we uncover what we're good at, what we're passionate about, what we love, you know, life shifts and changes. But that's not something that we're always taught to look outside of ourselves. Exactly. And that's interesting because from the from the age of 15 years old, I mm. uh, I loved spirituality. That's mm. what that, that's that, that was what came naturally to me, connecting yes. to the spirit world, connecting to angels, reading the tarot. But then it it came up to the age of 19, 20 years old for me to realize that that was my life purpose. Because although I had been doing it my entire life, that was my way of self-love in a way, my programming was still working within me in the back of my head, telling me that spirituality is evil and it's the work of the devil. And you have to do a real job. You have to do accounting. You have to do that. So I I did a bachelor's degree in geography and then a master's degree in business management. So I was just all over the place. It's interesting Mm. how when we learn to love ourselves, everything falls into place. Absolutely. And for those of you listening, the things that you are passionate about are not random. (laughs) You know, if you are passionate like George was about spirituality and you can read and read and read and read about something, that is a signpost and a breadcrumb that you need to follow because that's something you absolutely adore and it will open new doors for you. But I'm so with you, George. I had the same thing. Like I had all this stuff around how I couldn't be, do coaching as a business. It wasn't a proper business and I needed to have like have a proper business to be taken seriously. And it was, you know, all this stuff that blocks us. And actually, it's just about doing the stuff that you love and the rest of it will unveil itself. 
Yeah, and actually, I have a very practical, half spiritual, half muggle way of looking at going self-employed with our spiritual business. Because before I went self-employed with my spiritual business and did this work full-time, I had a corporate job in London for three years working for, um, for a book publishing uh, company. So I'm a big believer in taking small steps to going self-employed with our spiritual business and not rushing things. Because there is this idea in the spiritual community that, oh, just go self-employed and the angels will come in and support you and the universe will show up for you and it's all going to be sparkly. And then people do that and they get disappointed because it doesn't work. And yes, Mm. the universe will support. Yes, the angels will show up for us, but only if we show up for ourselves. And that sometimes involves getting a muggle job to pay the bills so that it frees your creativity to start developing your craft, to start building your platform and potentially transitioning into being self-employed with your spiritual business. We shouldn't Mm. forget that we're not just spiritual beings. As I said in the beginning, we are balanced between our masculine and our feminine side, our physical and our spiritual side. We need to make use of all the physical, practical aspects we're given into this world and not solely depend on spirit. Mm. Yeah, I think you're, you're totally right because I think there's almost like a misnomer that when you're, you know, you step into your passion and your purpose, yes, you will be supported. I yeah. totally agree with you. And I see it with the women that I work with. But at the same time, you have to be in the game. Like you've got to take the action. Like clarity comes from engagement, you know, not, not just thought. So, you know, most people want to know basically what the what the path is going to be and it doesn't work like that so I, I'm I'm totally with you and I think both of us have probably had the similar transition like I've kind of you you kind of you do this well sorry you kind of have to I've had two and then I've kind of gone into one you know I think you need because you can't create from lack so you cannot manifest and create from lack so you do need to think about how you pay the bills and how you do that and most people transition two days three days a week and then they can kind of step into what they're supposed to be doing yeah and when you love something so much you gotta be prepared to put in the work when i worked a full-time job i worked a nine-to-five job and then i would come home and work from seven until 12 midnight on my own thing weekends i had no weekends well that ended up like uh, taking a toll on my health eventually and my and my and my social life which it was important to go within and try and find out why I was creating all those overworking situations for myself. But the, the lesson is you got to be prepared to put in the work to sacrifice some things, but at the same time, prioritize your spiritual path because in the end of the day, that's what you're doing. That's what you're trying to create. So if you suppress that with too much work and just be overly masochistic with yourself, then you're not serving yourself and you're not serving everyone. So again, Mm. it all brings me back to balance. My entire life has been about finding this balance between the two and not overdoing either. Because some people in the spiritual community, most people I feel, they are imbalanced towards their feminine side in the sense that they feel very comfortable sharing in circles and meditating and just vibing the change they want to create in the world but they procrastinate when it comes to taking the action. All this work around the divine feminine is beautiful because it has been suppressed for so many years. And there's been so much attention around raising the divine 
feminine, which is wonderful. But at the same time, let's not forget that the divine masculine isn't the bad guy. The way we've abused mm-hmm. it is. So it's very important to do the work to forgive the divine masculine, forgive the way we've abused it and others have abused it and learn to use it in a more productive way to support the divine feminine as well, which means, yes, feeling the vibes, feeling the work, feeling the change we want to create in the world, but then Mm -hmm. going out there and really working our light not just nurturing it and working our life has nothing to do with meditating and visualizing the world being healed. It's about doing podcasts. It's about writing blogs and doing videos and writing books and articles and going out there and speaking. It's about doing the work. Mm. Yes. And I look at it like a critical mass point. Like for me, I don't probably you and I are on similar journeys. And I think all these podcasts that we do and all these Facebook lives and all the kind of, but you know, this is all about um, building the momentum around our brand and around our business and our message. And, you know, those things don't, they don't happen overnight. But I look at it almost like a wave. You know, it's like water kind of coming out, but then it comes back, you know, but it doesn't happen straight away. You kind of have to be committed to it. And, and, the thing is, if you're doing what you love and you're passionate about it, it doesn't feel like work anyway. So you can do it. You know, you can keep doing it. Exactly. And uh, the reason I love working with the elementals is because nothing brings me back to my balance as nature does. Because, I mean, we, we, we can talk about mermaids and sylphs and unicorns, but in essence, it's nature. So whenever we are in this in this urban environment and we have all these limiting thoughts and all this pressure from people to do get a real job or just being pulled towards different direction from different people's opinions about how we should live our lives and by our own ego as well. If we just remove ourselves from the physical world, from the, sorry, from the urban world and we place ourselves in the natural environment, mm. that aura of nature, that pure positive aura that's connected to source will just clear away the energy of all those limiting beliefs, bring us back into our soul. And that's when we instantly find balance. And from that state, then we are drawn to do the meditation, but then do the work, visualize the word healing, and then doing a podcast about it. So mm-hmm. unless we do this spiritual work, to bring ourselves in a state of balance and alignment with our soul, then we can't really follow what makes us happy. We can't really follow because we're disconnected from our happiness. So unless we find our happiness, we can't follow our happiness, if that makes sense. Because happiness is a choice, but you have to choose it by doing something about it, not just saying, yes, I'm going to be happy. If you make the choice, but your aura is all messed up with different chords and attention from other people, then yes, you have the intention to find happiness, but it's harder to see it and feel it. When we take action to remove all those blocks and bring ourselves into a state of happiness, going out in nature is an excellent way to doing that. That brings us back into our consciousness and then happiness becomes so much Mm. easier. And that Mm. it's like a domino effect. Then our happiness brings the first opportunity and then we follow that, that makes us happy and then we follow that and that brings another opportunity and then we know instinctively what we're supposed to be doing. Does that make sense? Mm. Mm. 
Yeah, I, I completely relate to what you're saying. And I think um, I look at it as almost like a, a, a emotional vibrational set point because most people operate at quite a low emotional vibrational level. And actually, like you said, they can be completely disconnected to their emotions, their feelings, their passions. I was uh, told you mentioned to you, Georgia did a workshop last night and, you know, people were saying, well, I don't know what I'm passionate about. They haven't, they're so disconnected from even vaguely what, what it is, you know, and I have really had to say to them, you know, these are the things that you will read and read and read about. You know, it's something that doesn't feel like work. It's something you can just lose yourself in. And I could see like really blank faces. And of course it's because at a certain point in our development, we are really disconnected and it does take work to, to shift that set point you know I'm sure I've seen on your journey it's beautiful you know you've gone from self-hate to self-love you know that's one end of the spectrum to the other which is an incredible journey so I really honor you for your journey because it's I've been there myself it's no easy yeah. thank you and it is a journey that's that's something many people don't realize um, many people expect to just shift from like depression to enthusiasm from one moment to the next. It is a journey of emotion that we have to go through. And many people judge the emotion of anger or the emotion of frustration or the emotion of revenge. Now it's all relative. If you are feeling depressed, anger feels better than depression. If you're mm -hmm. angry, frustration feels better than anger. So let's mm -hmm. stop judging ourselves let's stop being emotional snobs in a way and expecting ourselves to be happy 24 seven and just be mindful of what we are feeling, what our vibrational frequency is, as you just said, and just feeling our way up the vibrational scale, one emotion at a time. I didn't get from depressed teenager to empowered author from one day to the next. It took a whole uh, range of processes of dealing with emotions, of spending months dealing with my anger and months dealing with um, my self-bullying. And I still, I'm still in a, in, in a place right now where I'm still unpeeling layers. And an interesting thing happened. I think it's uh, lifelong. Never stops. I think never stops. Like for life, you know. Yeah, Katie, two weeks ago, I, we talked in the beginning about my salsa yes. classes, which I love dancing yes. salsa. So I was in my salsa class, we were working on technique. And then the teacher, she had us do something so she could like give us guidance. And then we danced it off and she was like, you were all bad, but you were the worst. And I'm like, excuse me? Ah. Ah. <laughs> and then everything I did was wrong. Everything I did, I was the worst. And I just let, I, I didn't realize I was being bullied during the moment because I was just so shocked. But I left and I got into the car and then I started crying in the car. And I'm like, oh my God, I was just bullied. And, and then I, I questioned myself. I coach people on standing up for themselves and yet I didn't do it for myself. Why? And it's because all the PTSD from years of being bullied and bullying myself kicked in during that time. And I just froze. I got paralyzed and I couldn't support myself. I couldn't stand up for myself. So my point is forgiveness. I see forgiveness as an onion. You peel a hundred layers, you feel you're done. And then there's a hundred more to go. We're constantly in a process of forgiving ourselves, of healing, of moving on. Spirituality isn't a university degree diploma. You don't get it and you graduate. 
It's a never ending process of unpeeling and unpeeling and unpeeling and connecting more and more to your authentic self. Beautiful, really beautiful. Yeah. And I think for everybody listening, you know, uncovering your purpose is a lifelong journey and it will evolve and change. And just as George described, you know, we're, we're all on this life journey and we have to peel back the layers and we go deeper and deeper and deeper. But the most amazing thing about it is, is that it becomes, it's so rewarding and it's so satisfying. And it's, for me, it's so fulfilling. I don't know about you, George, but I wouldn't have had it any other way as much as we've both had probably pretty shit patches, (laughs) you know, um, they make, they give you contrast and they now make you realize how lucky we are. And, you know, it's worth the work, people. Put in the work is what I would but I think when you find your purpose, you, you can't give up. I mean, you, you, of no. course, there are t- rough patches and it's hard work and you, you try and then you fail and then you try and you fail and you fail again. And yet you cannot quit because it's your purpose, because it, it drives you. There is something deeper within you that does the work that refuels you however much you have to go through which is, I think it's the wonderful thing about our life purpose because with anything else, when we face a difficulty, we can just quit and move on to something else. But with our life purpose, we cannot quit. No. Because it's our purpose. It's mm. unique to who we are. And the thing is, we can't fail. I believe we no. cannot fail on our life purpose. When we know our life purpose, source, spirit won't let us quit. The signs will get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until we pay notice and take Wake action. up. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't have a choice. We're going to fulfill it if we know. And source knows that we know. Absolutely. And you've got to be curious now, George, because right at the beginning, you said you were going to, sh- we, w- we would link back to the unicorn story and it was mm. in alignment. So I'd love to do that before we finish because we are close to time, but I'd love to, um, love for you to finish that loop. So I'm going to go back to, as I said in the beginning, I was always interested in spirituality ever since I was 15 years old, but then I never saw myself doing it as my life purpose. Mm. Now, when I was 19 years old, I was at Bristol University studying geography. I was getting ready to audition to go to musical theater school. I know, all over the place. So I had everything ready, my audition songs, my, I was taking classes with a actor, tap dancing classes, everything was ready. And then as I was walking home from university, I just had an epiphany. I'm like, why would I ever study musical theater? <laughs> like immediately, what was my obsession for three years seemed completely relevant. At that moment, in retrospect, now I know that was my unicorn spirit guy. That was when some shift happened within my soul. I found a connection within my soul that I call my unicorn spirit guide that propelled me to a series of events that made zero sense in my head at the moment, but I was 100% sure they were the perfect course of events for me to take, which is pure intuition. It's guided intuition. So that shift, I feel it happened gradually over the three years as I was changing myself and opening up and making a connection with my soul. There clicked a moment when... I accepted my soul as part of me 100%. My unicorn spirit guide came forth and I could have a conver- an intuitive conversation with him. So on that day, I go home. I'm like, I'm not going to do music theater again. What should I do for my master's degree? 
So I go into the university curriculum and different courses, different master's course. I'm like, geography, no, this one, no, no, no. And then I see business manager. I'm like, yes. I'm like, by the way, the backstory is I spent my life hating anything that had to do with business because my dad was an accountant and I always had the pressure of becoming an accountant. So it was obscene for me to have any interest in a business course. So I go into the curriculum of business management. I'm like, finance, amazing. Perfect. I'm like, what's going wrong with me? I used to hate this. Why, why, do, why does my body just vibrate so highly at the idea of doing accounting? But I trusted it. Within the week, I wrote my personal statement. I applied to Imperial College in London and I got in. <laughs> now, why, how is that connected to unicorns and how is that connected to my life purpose? What was the, the intuitive guidance that came into my head was that if I wanted to become a spiritual teacher, I was very aware of the fact that it had to be a business. And for it to be a business, I had to do a business course. At the same time, I did Marie Forleo's B-School. That was another thing that I was doing at the moment while doing my business management degree. But it was the intuitive guidance of getting the skills that I needed to be able to yeah, do this sure. work full-time eventually. Now, at the same time, that's when I started learning about unicorns and doing all my research about unicorns because I had been seeing unicorns consistently my entire life. At that moment, I decided to do the research into the unicorns and I met my unicorn spirit guide, which let me know that he was working on my behalf to help me make that shift inside my soul and realize that my life purpose was to be a spiritual teacher, was to be an intuitive, was to do this work full time. I had been doing it throughout my entire life and that was my bliss. Whenever I was happy, I was doing that, but I couldn't see it because of all the limiting beliefs and the propaganda that society has done on me that prevented me from seeing that clearly. The shift, many people expect to have an epiphany instantly. For me, that epiphany came in different batches. It came gradually. And that's a very interesting lesson because we shouldn't expect breakthroughs to just be like the angels coming down from the heavens and like, ah. I mean, sometimes it's just little shifts in perceptions and, and little shifts in our awareness and the way we perceive the world that help us create a much bigger breakthrough eventually. And that's yeah. what... That was the breakthrough for me that got me onto that path and also introduced me to my unicorn spirit guide. Mm. The way it was, it's, uh, we describe it is following your highest excitement, but what, what is your highest excitement when you're at a lower point is going to be different to when you've evolved a little bit more. So like you said, you can't shift you. It can't take you from the bottom to the top straight away because you're not prepared for it. You're not evolved for it. So you have to kind of weave or follow the right path up until you get to the to the higher point basically. absolutely yeah. it's that journey of emotions mm. oh george thank you so much it's been a fascinating conversation i know that your life story and your life journey will be of real interest to our listeners because it's an unusual life path um and i know that it's probably a lot of our listeners are probably possibly on the same journey so i think Thank you for coming on Kitty Talk and sharing your, your life story and your life. 
Thank you so much for having me, Kitty. And I'd like to invite everybody to come and join me on Instagram at George Lizas, as well as my private Facebook group, Your Spiritual Toolkit, where I share daily tools that can help us connect to our soul and really to follow our and fulfill our life purpose. And we will have all of George's details in the show notes. So don't worry, you'll be able to connect with him there. But yeah, thank you so much, George. Um, and we will see you again next week with another amazing guest on Kitty Talks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, George. What a lovely, lovely guy doing amazing work in the world. And what a fascinating story. You know, he really had to battle, battle to become himself. But sometimes that dark period can make us appreciate the light. So stay tuned to Kitty Talks for another amazing guest next week. And if you haven't already, please join our Facebook group. It's a free Facebook community. We would love you with us. Bye. This podcast was sponsored by my Do Your Dharma course. Create a life so good that you pinch yourself. This eight-week online course demystifies Dharma and shows you how to tune in to why you're really here. Go to www.kittytalks.com forward slash do your Dharma.